Hi everyone, Beth here. If you are struggling to find your homeschool vibe and are looking for ways to get your kids to get their schoolwork done, or ways for you to keep your sanity as a homeschool parent, or how to handle your many responsibilities while still feeling relaxed and loving homeschooling, then my book, Find Your Homeschool Vibe, might be just what you're looking for. In my book, I share how to shift your mindset to help you as the parent stay focused on the point of all of this, which is the love of learning. I also share some tried and true homeschool mom life hacks for every day. You can find the book in the show notes or by searching for Find Your Homeschool Vibe on Amazon. Back to the show. Hi, everyone. Before the episode begins, we just want to remind you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Look for Peaceful Homeschool Podcast. Remember, please, please, please rate and review on iTunes and Spotify, which helps the podcast get noticed by more people, which helps more homeschool families. Don't forget to check the show notes for other ways to support the podcast. Let's get the show started. Hello, hello. You're listening to Peaceful Homeschool Podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Beth. And today we have a super special guest. She's actually local to me here in Missouri. We have Dr. Natalie Bruce. Natalie, introduce yourself for us, please. Hey, everybody. I'm Natalie. I'm a homeschool mom. I've been homeschooling now for, um, gosh, about six years. Uh, We've been doing classical conversations for five years, I think. And I have four kiddos, ages 10, eight, five, and three. And um, I just hope I encourage you today. Yay. We're so glad you're here. Okay. So you already told us about your kids, how old they are, which is always, you know, a first thing that you ask a homeschool mom, like how old are your kids? How long have you been homeschooling? So what made you decide to homeschool? Um, gosh, you know, I never thought that I would homeschool. My husband and I were both public schooled and that was our plan. And honestly, I never even thought I'd be a stay at home mom. I just thought that, um, you know, I would just continue to work and God just totally changed our path early on. My husband was moving uh, with his job. We were moving about every 18 months. And so that made life get a little bit crazy. And uh, my oldest actually started in public preschool and um, we ended up pulling her around Thanksgiving, uh, not, not with the intention of homeschooling. Uh, she was just really struggling with anxiety. When we first started out, there was a lot of crying and I just thought, oh, this is not the tone that we want to be setting for school. So I thought, we'll just take a break and she'll kind of forget about all that so we can have a fresh, great start to kindergarten. And during that time that we were taking that break, um, I just felt like God started putting homeschoolers in my path. And they started telling me about the beauty of homeschool and the rest of homeschool. And um, I thought, gosh, you know, is this what God wants for our life? And I would ask my husband and he would go, no, of course not. And I was like, yeah, you're right. What am I thinking? And then I would talk to my family or my friends and they'd go, no, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, you're right. What am I thinking? And uh, one day I just thought, you know what, let's just give this a try. It's probably not going to work, but at least I can say I tried it. And um, it was a Monday and we did school at home. And by Friday, we were a homeschool family. So again, it just, yeah, it was never in our plan. But now, I mean, we are, we're lifers. We're, we're homeschoolers. We're, we're lifers with CC. Um, and yeah, we just love the homeschool life. That's super awesome. And one of our recent guests actually mentioned, like, it really is a life too. It's not, 
you know, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to school my kids at home from, you know, this time to this time every day, five days a week. It's a totally different life. It's choosing to, you know, have your kids learn all the time, choosing to have them learn throughout the year on your vacations, whatever they're learning all the time. So it really is a life. So I like that you mentioned that too. Definitely. Okay. So what about your homeschool style? Would you say that you have a particular homeschool style and what is that? Um, well, so I shared, you know, we do do classical conversations, which I feel like is what really keeps me grounded. Um, my style is loosey goosey, to be honest. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to have classical conversations to ground me. I always joke with people and say, if it wasn't for CC, all of my kids would graduate. And I would say, oh shoot, I completely forgot about geography. So it just really helps me to make sure that I'm, you know, covering all the core subjects, um, we love the community that CC gives. Um, but today, one of the things I'm, I'm wanting to talk about is what I believe the heart of our homeschool to be, which is reading. If there's something that really our homeschool is built around, um, it's it's reading. So that's really the heart of it. That's awesome. So I personally never did classical conversations, although I looked into it a few different times. Um, but for us, my, so my kids are now 20 my son is 20 and then my daughter is 18 and just graduated a couple of days ago, which was crazy. And then I have a 12 year old daughter. Um, and ours is pretty loosey goosey. Also, we definitely are like eclectic, you know, choosing from here and there and what works and what doesn't. And definitely using some of the, you know, classical things like story of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, can you tell us a little bit more about what classical education really means? Yeah. Um, so when I think about classical education, um, I think about the one room schoolhouse in that the cool thing about it is, is I have kids, like I said, you know, ranging from ages 10 to three, but we can all be doing school together. We really are learning the same things. It's just who is catching what, so obviously, you know, my three-year-old, he's learning these, these songs. We, we have these memorization songs that we sing and he learns those songs so easily because at that age, kids are just like a sponge and they catch it so quickly. Um, but he doesn't really even know what he's memorizing. And that is actually completely okay. Even when kids are memorizing the ABCs, they really don't know what it is that they're memorizing, um, but it's putting these pegs in their brain. And then when they are developmentally ready, they realize that those letters are what become words and those words become sentences, which become paragraphs, which become books. Um, so we, in, in those early years, we call it the grammar years. It's where we're really just learning the language of things. And so there is a lot of memorization that goes on, but as the kids grow older, those pegs in their brain, they're able to just, you know, keep growing on those and going deeper and deeper in what they're learning. So as they're now reading books about presidents in their mind, they know, oh, this was the sixth president who came after this president and before this president. When they learned that song, when they were four years old, they had no idea who these people were, but now those pegs are turning into stories in their brain. So that's how I would really um, explain classical education. We, We build these pegs early on and then developmentally as they grow, Um, they're just learning more and more about that basic grammar that they originally learned. And it just helps learning be so much easier. And it's the natural way that God designed our brains to learn. 
Got it. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is helpful. I know that we have people, listeners that use, you, you know, all sorts of tools and all sorts of styles for their, for educating their kids. So it's helpful for us to kind you know, kind of give them an overview of what the different styles are. Okay. So you were saying for your family reading is something super, super important. Beth and I both have like big readers in our house too. And that for us has been a big deal as well. So can you share a little bit about what you wanted to share with our listeners today about reading? Yes, definitely. So um, when I first was thinking about homeschooling, the scariest part to me was the idea of teaching my kids to read. I thought I'm not a teacher. I, I mean, to me, that sounded as easy as flying to the moon. I just thought there's no way that I can teach a child how to read. And that was probably one of the biggest roadblocks for me to step out and say, yeah, let's start homeschooling. Um, and now teaching a child to read is my favorite part about homeschooling. And so that's why I love to share it with families. Um, I also believe that reading is just at the heart of education. And so um, the subject of reading is something that I just want to shout from the rooftops um, to, to help parents through um, is this idea of reading and not only teaching your child how to read, but teaching your child to fall in love with reading. Um, and the reasons why I think this is important, number one, is that it makes homeschooling so much easier once your kids know how to read. And so usually when I talk to families and they have several children, they'll, they'll say that they're really focusing so much of their energy on the older kids. And those younger kids are kind of um, being left behind because there's so much to teach the older kids. But I actually would say to flip that and really be focusing on your younger kids and teaching them to read and teaching them to be independent in their studies. Because once they can do that, it's just so much easier. A, a child can teach themselves anything once they know how to read. Reading is the window into learning anything in the world, any subject, anything that you want to know. So I always really encourage families, focus on those little ones, um, teach them how to read and, and help them to know how to find the answers to things themselves. You know, even as simple as, you know, when I have all four of my kids around the table, it's so helpful when they know how to read the instructions in their math book by themselves so that I'm not having to go around and tell every single person what it is they need to do. They can read the instructions. They know what they need to do. So for one, it makes it easier as a, as a homeschooler that they know how to read. Um, but like I said, you know, it's the window into teaching anything. And so really, I believe that if your kids are, are reading, I mean, reading can be, there's, there's history, you know, and there's science and sometimes there is geography. And so many of these subjects um, are all encompassed in reading. Another thing that is so helpful with reading is that when they are reading great literature, it is at the same time teaching them grammar. Mm -hmm. It's teaching them writing skills. Um, it helps with their spelling. Um, so many things that they will just pick up by reading great literature. So um, reading isn't just reading. It's to me, it's almost all of the subjects, maybe except for math, uh, put into one. Um, and then, you know, so I told you that we're a CC family. So the, the founder of CC, her name is Lee Bortons. I recently read a book of hers and she said that the beauty of reading is that each of us will only have one life experience. 
But when you read books, you get to step into an infinite number of life experiences. Um, I mean, you're also time traveling, you know, when you read, you're, you're getting to step into things that happened in history. You're getting to step into different people's life experiences. Um, you get to travel the world through reading. So, um, I just loved that quote. I thought, oh my gosh, that is so true. When we read, you know, we, we step into so many different times and lives and, and, uh, experiences. And, um, so that's one of my, one of my favorite things about reading and I have tons more to say about reading, but I'll stop because I don't want to just be like talking on and on. So you girls, if you have another question, ask it, but I have other things that I can say too. <laughs> Beth, do you have any specific questions that you want to ask about that? I don't, I just want to agree with you. <laughs> like I totally like Same. with my kids, like, um, I was not good at, um, at like teaching them how to diagram a sentence or anything like that. That was not in my thing, but we read so much that my kids are excellent writers as adults. Um, and in the high school years, anything that they've ever submitted, they they've won essay contests, like all, all those things without knowing all that uh, stuff that we spend, we can spend so much time in, in public school that, but they won't learn how to read like books they love and they won't learn how to dive into all the different kinds of like, you know, you said science and history and all that stuff. So yeah, I totally, totally agree. hundred percent with that. Reading is awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, agreed. And you know, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Emma. Well, I was, I was just going to say, you know, um, my mom passed away a couple of years ago and I think, I mean, she taught me so much, but one of the things that she taught us kids even though there were seven of us, she always took time to sit down with us and read to us. And I, that, I mean, I, one of my favorite pictures is me sitting on her lap as, you know, maybe like a five-year-old or something. And there's just chaos always going on because there's, you know, seven kids and and she's sitting there reading a book to me. And a, a, a close friend of hers said that was one of the things that as a young mom, she looked up to my mom for because my mom was always like, you always have time to sit down and read to your children. And we weren't homeschooled. We all went to public school. But, um, you know, that instilled in me that no matter what, like that was so important. And then to watch my own mom model reading throughout her entire life until she passed away, she read all the time and watching that and just seeing her curled up and taking time for herself to, you know, retreat into these amazing worlds that she had. Like she taught me that you can travel the world, that you can learn anything through reading. And so I hopefully have passed, passed that on well to my kids because I feel the same. It's so important. And even if you live in a teeny tiny little town somewhere or you're out in the country or whatever, it doesn't mean that you are stuck in that place because reading get, takes you everywhere. Like agreed, so amazing. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead Natalie. Yes. Well, you know, and I was going to actually talk on that, you know, reading can be such a family experience. And I feel like Sarah McKenzie with her read aloud revival, she's really um, made that come alive with homeschoolers that um, reading is a family experience that we that we should be reading aloud to our kids every day. Um, and I remember when I first heard that she was like, yeah, even your high school kids. And I was thinking, what, like, why would I read aloud to my older kids? They know how to read, but there is this value in, um, going on an adventure through a book together as a family. Um, and so for example, our read aloud right now in our family, we're reading, um, 
the adventures of Tom Sawyer. And then we're going to read the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And um, our goal with that is I really want to get it done this summer because then we want to take a trip to Hannibal, Missouri. So we're going to make it a whole experience thing, you know, where we can take the riverboat down the Mississippi River and do all the Mark Twain things in Hannibal. And um, but it just really makes it this cool experience because sometimes uh, what was it just yesterday we were talking about something and my son made a, a reference to Little House on the Prairie because that's what we did last summer. We read all of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House on the Prairie books. And um, it's like our family has this shared experience where we're like, oh, yeah, remember that time when, you know, Pa did this and it's an adventure. It's something that we all went on together. It's this shared experience where my daughter reads a ton and she's reading it alone, which is great, but it's something that we don't connect on because she's reading it by herself. But when I read aloud, our family has this connection together. Now, I am going to say one thing that I feel like people are going to throw rocks at me in the homeschool community for saying this, but um, I, I do want to caution homeschoolers about something. I feel like sometimes when a pendulum swings, it can swing really far and, um, you know, moderation in everything is good. Um, but I feel like with this read aloud revival that's gone on, that that's, there's also been an introduction to so much more audiobooks um, in our homeschooling, which I'm not saying is bad. Audiobooks are cool, but in moderation. And I've found that audiobooks have kind of taken the place of um, of reading aloud. Like I saw a meme recently, it said something along the lines of um, there is no app that replaces your mom's voice in your mom's lap. Yep. And um, so often I think we just push play, you know, on the audiobook. And it's cool because there's the voices and, you know, I'm not good at the voices, but still there's just something about having that family experience and having mom or dad uh, read aloud and, and the family experience it that way. Um, and I also have seen some kids struggling with reading because they, there's been an overuse of audiobooks, And so the kids are relying on audiobooks to, uh, to be experiencing these adventures, but not wrestling with reading themselves. So I would just caution with that. All of those things are great, but in moderation and making sure that it's not fully replacing your kids learning to read and experiencing, you know, slowing down to, to wrestle with reading and to create the voices in your own mind. I think there's something really cool about reading a book and that you are completely creating this world in your mind and you're making your own voices in your mind and your own pictures. Um, where sometimes an audiobook, because it's doing some of those things for you, it can just kind of take away from the process, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I think that could be said for so many things, like whether that's saying like, okay, uh, you know, kids, you're just, you're only going to learn by, you know, some sort of computer program or whatever, as opposed to having your mom there with you doing that, or, you know, having your mom help you with whatever the subject or what it, it you know, is. So I, I don't think that's bad. I think it's good to just keep that in mind in everything we do. If we are giving everything off to, you know, AI in some way, you know, what is it, what is our part in what we're doing? And obviously we're overseeing it or, it or whatever, but there's definitely value in making sure that we're doing our parts in that as well. And the relationship, exactly. the relationship building that happens and the time that we spend with our kids and whatever, that's stuff you can never get back. And I love that quote. I've heard that before about, 
about nothing can replace, you know, your mom's lap. And so true. The other thing too, yeah. that when, when I read to my kids, I was able to ask questions as we went along and, and an audio book, isn't going to stop and ask questions. It's not right. going to stop and like say, Oh my gosh, doesn't that remind you of this or, you know, things like that and have that conversation. And we did use audiobooks too, but hundred percent agree with like that. We have to like that reading time is so, so, so important. Like from a human, <laughs> from a mother yes. <laughs> or a father or yes. from a human. <laughs> Yeah. And and it helps. Go ahead. I was just going to say it helps us to slow down and be present with our kids during that time. I know for me, you know, there's always housework that needs to be tended to. And it's so easy to say, you know, oh, just go outside and play. Just just go over there and read. Just go do your thing. But when I say, okay, everybody, come on, you know, gather around. I'm going to read a chapter out of Tom Sawyer. It is an opportunity for me to pause and really be present with my kids. And like you said, Beth, you know, you can pause and ask questions and, you know, ponder things. Or I remember when we were reading the very final chapters of um, the last book in Laura Ingalls Wilder's series. Uh, what was it? These Happy Golden Years. Oh my goodness. Those final chapters, my daughter <laughs> said, Mom, do you need me to finish reading this? I was just crying. Like I was just connecting with this story so much. I was just crying. I could barely finish. And she's like, are you okay? Do you need me to finish reading? But I feel like if like, you know, if it was a, a an audiobook, I don't know that I would have connected with it the same way. And my kids were seeing me connect with the story and have this emotion. And I don't know, I thought it was good. Yeah. I agree. And I think, I mean, like Beth said, we've used audiobooks too. We use them in the car. If my kids are sitting and playing Legos while I'm working on something else, you know, they'll listen to an audiobook while they're doing that. And my girls will sit, I mean, they could sit for so long playing Legos and they want to have an audiobook running and be listening. And I'm like, yes, that's great. Go for it. But I agree. It does not in any way replace the reading in our house, which, you know, obviously is super important. Um, so I had a question for you, Natalie. I have a daughter with autism, my daughter that just graduated. Um, what would be, do you have some advice or any information to share for kids who struggle with reading and who, you know, who really, you know, maybe have special needs or some sort of processing disorder? Do you have any advice about reading when it comes to kids who, who have those struggles? Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm hearing more and more from families who, um, do have kids that are struggling with reading. Um, and one saying that I always use is as long as we're always moving forward, then we're moving in the right direction. And so I am an advocate of teaching kids to read young. When I say teaching kids to read young, I mean, like, I, I start working with my kids young, but every child is different. So it's not like I have a timeline that they need to know how to read by this time. It's more that I start working with them early and I just continue to work with them. And if we're always moving forward, then we're moving in the right direction. Um, I have had friends say before, like, I don't know why you're teaching your kids so young. I don't know if they're ready. And I'll say, oh, I, I just work with them, you know, a few minutes a day, every day. And what they catch, they catch. And if they're struggling, they're struggling. That's okay. I just continue to work with them and they continue to move forward. I think that 
one thing that we'll do is when we see that our kids are struggling, we'll just stop, you know, we'll think like, oh, they're not ready. Um, we're just going to stop doing this. Um, but I just work with them a little bit every day. And even if they are struggling and, and, um, my third child, she was struggling at the beginning. And I kind of thought like, oh gosh, you know, is she, she's going to struggle with reading or maybe I'm doing it too young, but I thought, you know, you know what? No, I'm just going to continue to work on it with her a little bit every day. And I definitely have seen that she has some differences than my older two with reading, but I haven't let that trip me up. I just continue to work with her a little bit every day and she's getting it. She's not getting it as quickly. Um, I noticed that she does have some confusion with her letters. Um, she gets very frustrated with the idea of sounding out. And so I really have to remind her like, hold on, let's not get frustrated. Let's slow down. Let's sound out each letter, sound it out out loud. So mom can hear, you know, what you're hearing and she gets it, but I've just had to slow down more with her and, and work with her more and, um, and just realize, you know, no, no child is alike. And so sometimes I think we put we put these expectations on our kids that everyone should know how to read by this time, or everyone should be reading at this level by this level. But you know what, as long as you're always moving forward, you're going in the right direction. Don't be putting these expectations on your kids or on yourself for teaching them to read. But I would just encourage, don't give up, just continue to be working on it a little bit every day. I love that. And I love that you shared about expectations because I think when people see that there's a struggle and they start saying, you know, well, I have these expectations of myself and my child and I'm failing, my child's failing, they're behind, I should put them in public school, whatever, because they're not grasping it yes, yet. And they take those frustrations out without meaning to on their child and say, oh, you know, why is my child not doing this? You need to work harder. You need to practice more. You need to whatever as opposed to being patient and calm and just saying, okay, well, we're just going to keep working on it and you're going to keep learning and that's okay. And I think that approach to it, even starting from a young age is excellent because you are continuing just with love and patience to be able to say, okay, well, okay, cool. We're going to keep learning it, you know, and without those mm -hmm. expectations that make them feel bad or make you feel bad about yourself. Right. And I have a lot of parents ask, but well, how do I teach a child how to read? And I think that there has been confusion over the years because um, for a while, you know, phonics, the idea of learning phonics kind of went away for a while where um, we have in, in the public school system, we are teaching our kids to read like the Chinese teach their kids to read. The Chinese have to memorize symbols and so we started teaching our kids to memorize sight words. And the problem with that is when a child saw a word that they had never memorized, it was a completely foreign symbol to them. And so we really have to go back to this idea of teaching them the phonics, teaching them what each letter sound is. And for the most part, if they know their phonics, they can read just about anything. There are words in the English language that are weird and you, and you do have to memorize as a sight word because they're strange. But for the most part, I, I teach my kids that it's a code. And once you know the code, you know, then you can break almost, you know, any, any code that you, uh, that you see once you know that code. Um, so I always encourage parents get back to the basics of phonics 
Um, you know, that's why I say start, start young and you're just teaching them. This is the letter A, but not only this is the letter A, what sound does it make? That's really the important part is what sound does that letter make? Um, one resource that I always encourage parents to use is Bob books. Have you, have you ladies ever heard of Bob books? Yep. We used them. Yeah, I love using Bob books. Um, and some people get confused about how you're really supposed to use them. They're like, am I supposed to read these to my kids? And I say, no, just sit your kids on your lap. I find that's the best way to teach a kid how to read is to sit them on your lap. It makes it where like, I will point to the words as my child reads and my finger continuing to move lets them know that they're getting it right. But when my finger doesn't move, then they know that they need to try again. And that's such a gentler tactic than sitting across from them and saying, no, 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 that's not it. So even just, uh, you know, a slight move of your finger, or even sometimes I can just make a little sound with my throat. And it's like my, my child knows, oh, I need to try that one more time. So, um, you know, when it comes to reading, I tell people, I think my biggest tips are, you know, put your child on your lap. Um, I always say, put on your patient's panties. <laughs> that means you just really, <laughs> you need to really have your patience when it comes to reading. Um, it is hard to have a child just be sitting there and very slowly struggling through the word cat. It's like, you just want to say, oh, it's the word cat, but um, that is how they learn. You know, you just set them on your lap and you let them slowly letter by letter work out that code. And, um, I, why I love Bob books is that they literally start out with three letter words, one to two words per page. Um, but by the time you get to the last Bob book, they are reading small paragraphs. And so I always say that Bob, book, Bob books taught my kids how to read, but um, it's, it's, it, it's also in the celebration. Like when they get done reading that first book, I am like, oh my goodness, you are a reader. I always tell my kids, you are a reader. You just really celebrate with them and encourage them. And it makes them so excited where they want to read another one. Um, so a lot of people ask me like, okay, well, my kids know how to read, but, but they hate reading. How do I teach them to love reading? Um, if you can, you know, if your kids are young, then, then the, the earlier you start with this, the better. I always tell parents, make sure that you're visiting the library once a week, make your kids, you know, encourage your kids to love the library. A lot of times libraries have story time and they have the summer reading program and they have craft days and fun activities and just go spend time at the library. And, um, you know, when you're usually a library policy is when your kids are five years old, they can get their own library card, make that a big deal. You know, you have your own library card, you get to pick out your own books. Now you get to check out your own books. Um, but each week allow your child to go through and check out their own books, no matter what it is. Like sometimes they check out these cockamamie things, but it's okay. It's just in the love of searching the shelves and finding a book that they're interested in. Um, so help them to fall in love with the library. Make sure that you're reading to your kids once a day. You know, even if it's just a short little book, have them crawl up on your lap and, and read a book to them once a day. Um, and then find out what interests them and try to seek out books that are really going to make them excited. Um, a cool thing about libraries is a lot of times in their early reading section, they will classify books 
by reading level. So for example, when my kids are done with their Bob books, that's like a huge day because then we get to go to the library and they get to pick out books from the orange section, which is, which is at that reading level that they are at. Um, and so they start realizing, oh my goodness, I can read other books. You know, I can read other words, not just, not just words that are in Bob books. I can read other books too. And then once they have, you know, read things in the orange section, they get to move on to the yellow section and slowly they've gotten now where they can read anything. But I think that one of my biggest, um, nerd out passions is that I love finding series for my kids that are um, appropriate to their reading level that interests them. So, you know, it's different for, for boys and girls, you have to find series that really interest them. But when they find that series, like um, for uh, my daughter, it was boxcar children for my son, it was, um, the magic tree house series, it was like, oh my goodness, we had to buy them all. They just couldn't read them quick enough. So I love finding a series that my kids really love because then they just, you know, they just keep on reading. Um, but one recommendation that I have when your kids become strong readers, um, you know, I talked about making sure that your kids are reading quality literature, that that's going to help them become better writers and help in their grammar, um, help with their spelling. But um, again, the founder of Classical Conversations, Lee Bortons, she recommends that uh, kids are reading Newbery Award winning books. And so um, the Newbery Award has been given to one book every year since 1922. So we have 100 winners now. Um, but each year they award lots of honors. So, you know, it's those books that have the, the honors, have the, the silver seal on it. The winners have the gold seal. Um, but those books, they, it's just, I have found just really quality um, literature. I mean, the Newbery Award is, is the award given in children's literature, but they are chapter books. So, you know, your, your kids would need to be strong readers by that point. But um, so many of those stories are like we talked about there. They are spanning history. Um, some of them are true stories. Um, talking about, you know, different cultures, different life experiences, things that if it weren't for those books, I don't know that my kids would really grasp some of some of those um, perspectives or life experiences. So, um, so that's one recommendation that I have for people is I love the Newbery Award winning books or the Newbery Honor books. I love that. Our kids have for sure enjoyed tons of, you know, books with those seals on them. And you mentioned too about earlier about um, connecting with your kids through the shared experience of reading. And I found that like once my kids, you know, graduated into reading on their own especially my oldest and my youngest um and they were like you know I could there's no way I could keep up with reading to them as much as they would want to be read to all day long every day and it's been really cool to watch them have shared experiences with each other because they those favorite series that you know we've had on our bookshelf for years that now have gone from my 20 year old to my 12 year old that now all of my kids have read or or at least my oldest and youngest have read and they will sit and chat about them. They will stay up late talking about them. My 12-year-old will appear at the basement door for my son and be like, is there any way that I could please borrow two more books tonight? Because there's no way I can go to sleep without <laughs> knowing what happens in this series. And they will just be sitting and chatting about it and talking about, why do you think this happened? You know, what made this happen in this story, whatever. And I love it so much because even though I'm not a part of what they're reading, 
they are able to have those experiences through these series of books that they have, which is super cool. And I wanted to just jump back a little bit to um, the quality part of it, of, of choosing quality. And um, because we had an experience where we listened to an audiobook on a trip and it was Junie B. Jones and it was super cute in the audio, but I had never read the actual books. And so then we went to the library and got the books and I opened it up to read it and it spelled incorrectly. Um, and I, the, for little kids, like, and so I, for older kids, if they're reading something that has something spelled incorrectly, that's different because, or if they're spelling it like, like in Tom Sawyer, like some of the things are spelled differently, but in the early readers, when they're getting everything into their brains, that is so important to really be on top of and to watch for is to make sure that it's written well and spelled correctly. Um, and I was like, so upset by that book. <laughs> I was like, what, how would they put this in my child's head wrong? But audio was really cute. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't want to dog on Judy B. Jones, but you know, that's like a New York Times bestselling book for elementary age girls, but it is just not quality writing at all. And so when they're reading that, like, they're just not really learning anything, you know, right. except that they've finished the book. Um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of talk that goes on right now related to um, children's literature, literature in general, um, and our libraries, there is so much being written every year. And libraries are trying to stay current. And so a lot of the classics and the great literature, they're just getting thrown out or they're getting donated. And these libraries are getting filled with more and more just junk and we're losing so much of the great literature. So um, because I'm a nerd, I have started a library in our home um, because it's important to me that my kids always have access to great literature. Um, but because I'm also a conspiracy theorist and I'm afraid that one day there's not going to be great books left. Um, I also have this library for my grandchildren. I'm like, at least they can come to grandma's house and they can select, you know, I, I mean, my library is getting pretty huge. Um, but at least they'll have a great selection of great literature that they can choose from. I just worry that some of those great books are going to start disappearing. But um, that, you know, that's, that's just another tip to always have books available, have books in your home, always have books in your kid's bedroom and next to their bed. And um, there's some sort of statistic out there that, you know, your kids will be better readers if you have books in your home. I don't know what the statistic is. Well, but I, yeah. I love what you're saying though. Um, in our house, we definitely, I mean, we love to read. And I think that as homeschoolers, we have that tendency to want to, including myself, I want to, you know, work towards my kids' interests, which I totally am an advocate of. But I think what you're saying is also true is that they also need to be exposed to things that they wouldn't necessarily pick on their own. They need to be exposed to things like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn or Little Women or, you know, Little House on the Prairie or whatever it is and having those things available. And so for me, like my daughter, my 12 year old, she will pick out so many great books, but not necessarily classics and learning the vocabulary and the vernacular that you will see in, you know, classic books is much different than what you will read today. And so I still have those other books and whether I've picked them up, you know, I, we have a lot in our home library, but if she's read everything already, I'll pick them up at a garage sale or a thrift store and I'll just leave them sitting there. And when she says, oh, I'm out of books, I'll be like, oh, hey, here's a great stack. You can come get them right here. And she always knows she can go there and look for a stack on that shelf. And it, it makes a huge difference. And her being able to have conversations at age 12 with adults about books or, you know, she hears a name or she hears a phrase that comes from, you know, Moby Dick. And she's like, oh, I've already read that. Um, 
you know, all of those things I think are important. I think it's important for our kids, not only that we are, you know, continuing to keep their interests in mind, but that we're making sure that they are having access, like you said, to those classic books, because they may be going away, you know, as we well know. So I agree. I yeah. love that. And I used to be one of those moms that would say, it doesn't matter what they're reading as long as they're reading. But I have kind of changed my mind on that over the years, because then you'll have kids that are just reading comic books because that's what their interest is. But comic books are not going to teach them proper grammar. It's not going to teach them how to be a great writer. And it's probably not going to help with their spelling and their vocabulary. So I have become a little bit more picky where I do try to expose my kids to quality writing. Um, and, you know, I have friends that are amazing that they will, they will read everything along with their child. Um, I don't do that just because I have two kids that are, I mean, I cannot keep up with their reading right now, but, um, but I try to at least do, uh, you know, a little bit of research to make sure that it's, you know, that it's a quality book, um, you know, that it's not going to have things in there that I wouldn't approve of anyway. But, and I know that's another concern that people are having with libraries as I think we're being exposed more and more in, um, even in the children's section to things that our kids just might not be ready for yet. For sure. Okay. Um, so we're talking a lot about books. So can you also share when I first met you, it was at a homeschool conference here in town and you shared about a book that you wrote. So can you tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote and why you wrote it? Yes. So um, let's see, I keep getting lost on time, but I guess it was um, five years ago, I wrote a book called Jesus Yoga Pants Homeschool, which is a super random title, um, <laughs> but I sell t-shirts that go along with it. So just imagine a t-shirt that says Jesus Yoga Pants Homeschool, <laughs> but it's, it's basically the three things um, that I really believe in in my life. Um, I believe in Jesus. He is what guides me on every other choice that I make in life. Um, I believe that no matter what I do, um, I want to be wearing yoga pants while doing it. <laughs> and I joke <laughs> about that, but really when the, the part in my book related to yoga pants, it really just means that you need to create a homeschool that fits you and that fits your family. So for me, that's wearing yoga pants. Um, and it means, and it's a lot of other things, uh, that, that makes up the style in the heart of our homeschool. Um, but that's where that piece comes in is I just really, um, I really want to encourage families to build a homeschool around what drives their family. You know, I, I have friends that their homeschool is, is centered around them going to the rodeo. The rodeo is kind of in the middle of everything that they do. Um, for us reading, you know, reading and church related things are, you know, really the, the center of, of our week. Um, and then, and then homeschool. So obviously my book was written for homeschoolers. Um, specifically, I would say newer homeschoolers. I wrote that book because I never intended to homeschool. Um, I just thought, you know, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. I had so many fears, so many reasons why I would fail at homeschooling. And when I fell in love with homeschooling, I just wanted to tell everyone about it. And I realized that no one wanted to stand at the target checkout line for two hours so that I could tell them why I loved homeschooling. So, um, so I wrote a book it's a short book. It's only about 80 pages because, you know, ain't nobody got time for reading more than that when you're a crazy busy mom. Um, so it is a very short read. You could read it tonight before you go to bed and it could change your homeschool 
um, starting fresh tomorrow. So um, I'm really just encouraging parents that are early on in their journey, or maybe those that are saying like, gosh, I just don't know, can we do this? I'm encouraging you saying, yes, you can. It can look so many different ways. You really have to kind of build your own thing and find your own way. Um, I talk to, I talk in my book about how much easier it really can be than what you think it might be, mainly because we think that we have to turn our home into a school. But like you said at the very beginning of this podcast, it really is, I mean, homeschooling is just a way of life. I mean, we might only be around the table for an hour a day, but the rest of the day, my kids are still learning no matter what we're doing throughout our day, they are learning. So really encouraging parents that it's a way of life um, and just helping them to create, you know, what God wants out of their homeschool. So um, yeah, Jesus Yoga Pants Homeschool. I wrote it about five years ago and um, I just love encouraging uh, families in their homeschool journey. That's awesome. So I, I'm just going to say my friend, Beth, she's been my friend for a really long time. She's homeschooled her kids for a really long time. And they're now like 21 and 18. Is that right? 22 and 22. Oh my gosh. And 18. She wrote a book too. She's super awesome. Oh my goodness. Yes. So if you're listening, check out Natalie's book and check out Beth's book. Beth, tell us really quick about your book too, because I know we're getting towards the end of our time for our next interview. Um, it's, I wrote the book because there were during the pandemic, there were so many people that were thinking they were homeschooling, but it was really like really stressful for them. And they were like wanting to homeschool, actually homeschool, but they, they thought they couldn't do it because what they're experiencing with the computer thing was so awful. (laughs) So I wrote it for people to understand, like, you can do this. It's, it's, it's more, it's super fun. It's amazing. Like relax. You know, I just wanted to, so I, that's what I wrote it for. And it's called find your homeschool vibe. So. Yeah. yeah. So uh, w- Natalie, when you were sharing about yours, I was like, oh my gosh, it sounds very similar to Beth. So that's why I wanted to share that too. Okay. So we're almost at the end of our time. So Natalie, can you share with us maybe what is one of your favorite things about homeschooling your family in, you know, your kids and your family? I, um, I have shared this the last two years when I've spoken at bloom and blossom, the homeschool conference that you and I met Emma. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a vision for my family and my vision for my family is our Thanksgiving table. And it's not what our Thanksgiving table looks like now. It's what our Thanksgiving table is going to look like down the road. Um, I envision a large Thanksgiving table with my husband and I and our four kids and their spouses and their kids and maybe their kids, depending how long I live. (laughs) But I just have this vision of, um, of family. And I feel like the family unit is something that's really being attacked in this day and age. And, um, I, I have a vision that my family will, always be, um, close knit. I always want us to be, no matter where we're living in the world, if, you know, my kids are missionaries or living far away or wherever, um, that we would still just always be a very, uh, close family, um, that is centered on our relationship with Christ. And so I feel like homeschooling helps me move toward that vision. 
Um, when I was considering homeschooling, I visited with a, a friend of mine's mom and she homeschooled all of her kids during a time when it was very rare to homeschool. And I, I asked her, I'm like, you know, I'm just really struggling. Like, should I homeschool? Should I not? And, um, she said, well, you know, what do you, what do you want for your kids? And, and I said, you know, I just pray over my kids that I want them to, to know God and to love God, to be seeking God. And she said, well, when it comes to education, what do you think is most likely to, um, to, to encourage your kids to, to know God and, and to love God and to be seeking God? And I thought that's just so true. Like, I feel like homeschooling is, um, going to, uh, help my kids in, in that journey. And so, um, I think that's what I just really love most about homeschooling is just that, um, you know, as a family, we can be together, we can be learning together and we can just be seeking Christ in our lives every day together. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Natalie. Beth. And where can people find you online? Where can they follow you? And Yeah. So if I'm being completely honest, I am not great with social media. Um, I have tried, but I really try to be intentional with my kids. I fail at it every day, but I really try to be intentional. And I found that social media oftentimes keeps me from that. Um, but if you are interested in reading my book, it is on Amazon. So if you just search Jesus Yoga Pants Homeschool book, it will come up on Amazon. And I think it's $9.99. So pretty inexpensive. Yep. And we'll have the link in the show notes for everyone also. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, one more thing for our podcast. Um, I just want to let everybody know that we have a new fan page and where you can ask questions for Emma and I to address on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thank you all for listening today. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure having you on here with us. Thank Remind you so us- much. You're welcome. Remind us of the name of your book again. Jesus Yoga Pants Homeschool. And I'm going to remind you all of my friend Beth's book, which is Homeschool Vibe, too. So look up their books. Like, dude, these are amazing women. And I'm so lucky to have the privilege to sit and chat with them today. And I'm glad that you guys are listening in. And we appreciate you. Thanks so much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much for listening today. If you find value in our podcast and would like to support the show and help cover our monthly costs, we have several ways to do that. You can become a $3 a month supporter, shop our merchandise store or our show sponsors, and rate and review on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for your continued support of our show and for sharing it. Yes, thank you.